Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Yannick on Chelsea podcast with me, your host, Yann. Once again, turbulent and difficult times at Chelsea Football Club. A difficult result away at Goodison Park against Everton. After a positive 5-0 away win in the Europa League, um, a lot to discuss. Today there is no guest because I wanted to revert to type of the earlier format of podcasts where I answer your questions. Uh, an interactive way of getting you, the listener, involved in the podcast. So, without further ado, let's get into it. Okay guys, the last podcast was with me and Dan Silver, which was a great episode, and if you have not heard it yet, I'd urge you to go back and listen to it, because um, although it was prior to the last recent couple of results that we've had, it's um, it's relevant in the sense of we discuss the sort of general issues of the club at present, and what we think should happen, and, and how we feel looking forward. Um, Dan holds a slightly different opinion than me in terms of um, the managerial situation, but what we both share the same opinion in is how the club is currently structured and how the issues go beyond the the coach at present. It starts at the top, all the way up with Roman, and goes all the way down to the players, and indeed the fans, if you look at the split and divide between the Chelsea fan base at the moment. So it's crazy. Um... Before I get into your questions, I guess I just wanted to sort of talk about how I feel about everything. And I guess a lot of you listening would probably feel the same way if you follow my podcast, then maybe you have share similar opinions. Maybe not, who knows. But the um, for a lot of people, the problems at the club at the moment is a general sort of direction and a sort of theme, philosophy and context from the top bottom. We seem to have a disinterested owner who, regardless to visa issues, which seems to have been the main narrative of Roman Abramovich, um, regardless, we know that he can come to England for, say, three months a year. And if Chelsea's his beloved project, then certainly he can attend a game, and more so, certainly attend a game to watch the football that he's wanted for such a long time and he's champions of the concept of attacking football, Barcelona-esque. Now say what you want about Sarri and what we're seeing at the moment it can be turgid and difficult. The football that his teams have played in both Empoli and Napoli have been attacking and very aesthetically pleasing styles of football and he has a great philosophy in, in football in his outlook and um, how he feels the game should be played and how he feels players should feel while playing the game. So it's interesting, start at the top, why is the owner not attending games, why is he not watching this, you know, there's some theories that it's a it's a Brexit related thing, he wants to see what's going on before he starts putting his heart back into it, And but for me that isn't enough of a sort of reason to, to explain why he wouldn't want to attend games of a new coach, it's very very strange to me, but it goes beyond that. It's not just the owner, it's um, it's the club structure, it's the hierarchy, it's the fact how there's no sporting, technical, footballing director to sort of maintain an ongoing philosophy. And then, if that was the case, if we had a direction with uh, the appropriate hierarchy, then, then managers could become, you know, um, disposable, like they were with Chelsea in recent history, but disposable managers at the moment don't seem to work, or certainly looking at the available managers and looking at the players 
and looking at successful clubs in the Premier League right now and looking at successful clubs across Europe right now, they all dictate that they require um, this kind of sort of figure that doesn't coach players but dictates direction and philosophy and Chelsea are quite obviously lacking such an important figure. So the you know the problems go beyond the coach. Um, for me, I've sort of always championed the concept of Sari, and and I really admired his outlook. I admired his Napoli team, and you know one as a football fan dreams don't you? What you feel like? I love the idea of this football. I love how potentially it could be executed at my club. So you know football fans dream. So you want to see that, but. For me, he's done nothing, you know, particularly wrong. He's been a bit stubborn, but he hasn't got the ego of a Conte and a Jose purely because he hasn't got the accolades or trophies of them, and he knows Chelsea's the biggest job he'll ever have. Something that I've been talking about recently. He has changed. He's developed. He's changed formations. He's changed uh, substitutions, and um, you know, he's changed approaches. If you look at the um, more defensive approaches he did against Tottenham and City to a sort of you know positive result generally even if we didn't win the uh, the cup the approach was correct absolutely for the players so it you know the and then we had a very good display of how his football should work against arguably a very weak team in Dinamo Kiev away but it was a 5-0 away win you know he made the substitutions that the people want to see in and getting the the young lads on, and Ruben and Callum, and, you know, Callum scoring a great goal, and, you know, he came on in other games in the Premier League, and has not made an impact, and maybe looks like he's being handled perfectly, and people are just being reactionary, because it's not going really well for Chelsea at the moment. Still, has Sarri done himself, well, has he done himself some damage in his approaches, and perhaps being too honest, which some may say is a good thing, some may say is a bad thing, probably. But that's the nature of his position and, you know, how he's always been in jobs. Um, So, in terms of just finishing up of how I feel, I am on the fence of whether he should go. I'd like him to stay. The the concept of his football working for me is still a really great one. And I believe uh, an attacking possession-based pressing 4-3-3 predominantly formation in the Premier League is what makes a successful team in the Premier League at the moment. A lot of people who want Sarri to leave the club, they sort of hark back to successful managers and successful, you know, clearly we don't have the players to be successful as we did and that's obviously not the coach's fault. That's um, looking back to sort of nostalgic positive times when we had these titan characters on the pitch which is nothing to do with the coach now. So, you you know, you, you look at sort of approaches but if you look at what's successful in the Premier League at the moment your Liverpool's your cities and your Tottenham's granted Guardiola will change formation within a game but it is a 4-3-3 high press fast passing game and that's what Sarri does so you know what do you do do you get in another defensive manager and upset the players again because the players aren't necessarily upset with Sarri I think they all want to play with the ball and play modern football and essentially that's what he intends to deliver so it's a really difficult one but with all of that said that doesn't mean it's going to work with the coach and that's not me saying he should stay regardless I believe the problems go beyond the coach and 
and that should be addressed first. I feel like getting another coach in is just masking a shit show that is Chelsea Football Club at the moment. And, you know, that's not even talking about the um, the impending transfer ban. So, ladies and gentlemen, if you're listening to this, if you're sorry and you're sorry out, I just don't know at the moment. I would just want to sort of make everyone lucid to the fact how the club has bigger issues and maybe, even if he's not the man for the job, give him a bit of a break because he has played these people that people want him to play in Ruben, Christensen, Callum. Ruben's got an ongoing back injury, so he can't play him all the time. Callum is an 18-year-old kid who's come out of nowhere and has showed he's good when we're winning. He comes on. And Christensen's got some weird stomach problem where he shits himself literally all the time. So the only really problem, biggest issue I have at the moment with the coach is the fact how he started Alonso um, against Everton when he played 90 minutes in Kiev. Giroud scored a perfect hat-trick and got an assist, but he also played 90 minutes, and Giroud gets knackered at the best of time, so I always knew Higuain was coming back in. But Alonso, for me, was the weird one, and god damn, was he terrible. He was probably the reason we didn't get anything out of that one. We certainly lost. You know, he, he was poor defensively, they, they rinsed his side all game, and he conceded the penalty. So... I can't, I can't absolve sorry of picking Alonso. I mean, maybe if you put yourself in his position, you feel like, oh, he played well in against Spurs and he was good at the early season and I'm the coach and the professional and I have to manage this properly and let him play again, fine, whatever. None of us as fans can speculate too much about that. But, you know, in hindsight, that was a terrible performance by the player and ultimately a bad decision. So... Now I've voiced my opinions and thoughts about the current situation, I'm going to get into your questions. Okay, time to just lighten up a little bit and see what you guys have written to me. So, Abello at I am Belletta. Is this the right time to prioritise Europa League ahead of top four? Now that is a very prevalent question for Chelsea at the moment. Um... I mean, what is prioritised, you know what I mean? Like, uh, we look at games, the most difficult fixtures left, being like away at Anfield and Old Trafford, do we try and go all in for those or do we write those off? Or The point being, we've dropped five points in the last two games against games we should be winning in terms of the context of top four and how the team should approach them and really be up for it. And we've dropped five points. But we are three points off top four, and there's like eight odd games left or whatever. So it's a very, you know, achievable target. But more importantly as well, I think there's like certain finances and finishing places in the Premier League and stuff. So the club will certainly be inclined to try and do that. But I was maybe a little bit reactionary in saying just, you know, play the absolute B team and the youth and try and get chemistry for next season and then Sarri can play his first team in Europa League and just try and win that title and indeed his first trophy. But the interestingly, it does seem that his football is suited to European football more than it is to the the entity that is the Premier League. So really... Um, to answer your question, Abello, or at I am Belletta, I'd probably say Europa League, because it's a trophy now, right? I mean, from defensive football to possession attacking football, players that aren't, you know, suited to it to try and make them play it, 
and a debut season for a new coach who has been a you know he's endured all sorts of the media bollocks that comes of coaching in the Premier League in your first season. It wouldn't be the worst thing in the world if we came fifth or sixth and won the Europa League in his first season while we really transition. I'd probably rather win the Europa League. Well, I'd rather win the Europa League because it comes with a trophy and it's not to be sneered at. So, in my opinion, I'd say Europa League, but it doesn't mean you can throw in it. It has to be both because we're not in four competitions anymore. We're in two. Chelsea does have a squad. Um, Prioritise can't really come into it because remember when Jose prioritised the uh, Europa League, I think he had no chance of top four where... We've got a very strong chance of top four, so it's very difficult to say either, but that's all I can really say about that. Christian at Mr. C.H. David. Alonso and Ross. Why? Ruben Loftus RLC still can't get a start in the Premier League. Okay, so I'm with you with Alonso. I've already talked about that earlier in this uh, in this podcast. Um, Barkley's an interesting one. In that first half against Everton when Chelsea played really well, just didn't capitalise. I did tweet about this, how, you know, I reeled off how we're supposed to be the best, well, one of the best chance creating, certainly very top of the best passing style team in in the Premier League. And and in terms of clean sheets, a very good defensive style in the Premier League, excuse me, in the Premier League. But when it comes to um, finishing chances in the 18-yard box, we've developed a sort of inferiority complex and can't finish off chances. Um, yeah, sorry, I digress. In that first half when we were good but didn't score goals, I think Ross was pretty good. I think in spells he has been good. Um, it's a weird one. I don't think he should probably stay at Chelsea and work out. I would not be opposed to him working, but we saw him have a purple patch earlier on in the season. He wants to work hard. And he wants to play for Chelsea, man. Do you know what I mean? Look at some other players across the team. <laughs> he he wanted to come out. He wanted to show his old team that he plays for Chelsea now. He removed all his Evertonian tattoos. And in the first half, I think it was pretty good. So, whatever. I think maybe Sarri made an educated gamble and thought, you know what, this passion might help him for his previous club. So it's an interesting one. But um, Ruben Loftus-Cheek... Mm, Again, something that I've alluded to. He hasn't gone. He's been recalled from the England squad because of his back injury. I think we're handling Ruben perfectly. He's been screwed his whole like adult career because of this lower back injury, and his stamina has never been really good. And we he's demonstrated such ability and such um, a, a capability to perform in this league that he is, I think, highly regarded by the club. But we don't want to just start him and screw up his back so I feel like he did have a relapse um, in his back injury recently and it was out for ages so I think the club's just being clever with him it's very difficult to judge the um, the approach on Ruben it's, uh, if you think about his back injury so if he was fit all the time and rang to go like the Mesut Ozil style then you know questions would be asked but I genuinely think it's um, it's it's a lot to do with his injury so that's that's all I can say about that dude um, Jason Cook, my man. So, this is a good one. Now, Hudson Adoy has earned his international call-up. Do you think that this will calm his desire to leave and maybe light a fire with him, within him to become a starter at Chelsea? Now, such a... It's a good question, dude, but this is such a weird one, isn't it? Because every time he plays well for Chelsea, he looks elated. He scores or assists, you know, he looks like 
super, super happy. He's super, you know, he celebrates loads. He posts on social media. He seems like he's really good mates with everyone in the Chelsea team. I think Hudson Adoy's issue isn't to, anything to do with the club. I think it might be to do with the hierarchy and how he doesn't trust them. And, you know, with good reason. If an interesting answer to that question would be it's pretty much set in stone that Hazard goes in the summer. So if Chelsea gets a transfer ban, Hazard goes, if we said, look, take the number 10 shirt and let, you know, you won't necessarily start every game, but we're going to rotate you in, keep coaching you, take the number 10 shirt. You'd like to think he'd want to stay because that would mean something and sign a contract. And Because, yeah, playing, if he plays some time for England, the more this goes on, and in the world's eye, the more it looks like an absolute shit show in terms of how Chelsea are dealing with it. They're, I think I've echoed, I've said this before, and I'll echo this again that Chelsea probably would have sold Hudson Odoi to Bayern if it was like through the back door, like he hadn't played much, they'd given 20 million and whatever. But the fact how he'd done well, they'd publicly voiced how much they like him, and the world was looking at him, and it made Chelsea look awful. Chelsea hate bad PR and we've had so much of it. So now he's got an England call up. It would just look worse and worse and worse. They'll do everything they can to try and sign him onto a new contract. But they have to give him assurances. Maybe there has to be an assurance in the contract that he gets X amounts of uh, X amount of appearances. And that's the only way that he will uh, he will continue at the club. Um, and the club has to address that. Again, it comes down to the coach. The coach does value him and rates his ability. But is he going to you know, put his job on the line and play a teenager who won't do the certain positive things that regardless to how much we, you know, shit on Willian and Pedro, again, I'll echo the sentiment of Willian making that defensive tackle against Spurs after scoring a great individual goal. Callum's not going to do that. And that's not because Callum's not capable one day. You can't expect that of him to do that. And at the moment, Pedro does that. So... Dude, he's 18, you know, he's played loads, he's played like 800 minutes this season or something. He's been plucked out of the academy, he's, you know, he hasn't even played for England under 21. He's doing alright, I think his issue is, he believes this has only come out of the Bayern, or his camp certainly believes this has only come out of the Bayern interest and it's not a legitimate, true representation of how we value him. But anyway, we'll have to see, man, we'll have to see how he plays for England, I mean... I don't think he feels like he owes Chelsea as much as, say, Hazard does. Hazard doesn't want to leave on bad terms because we did give him a lot. They're both worldly talents, but Hudson Adoy just sees the oppression of other academy players, and Hazard's been giving it, given everything the money. We signed his brothers, we've given him everything he wanted. So, although Hazard's gone, he's it's at the point now where both the club and the player and the fans can all accept him. All right, so the follow through. Is our, fa- is our fan base turning into Arsenal? Is the Sari in versus the Sari out? Play the academy, blowing our own players, damaging the club. Absolutely. Well, this is what happens when your club hangs around sixth and there's uncertainty. You know, whether that be a Wenger that's hung around for too long or it's a new coach that's tried to change the philosophy. Um, it's a shame, really, because you'd, you'd like to think your own fan base is better than that. Um, but it's a difficult one because... It, it, <laughs> I don't want to say we're turning into Arsenal, but it is a certainly a very turbulent time. Until we know what's going on with Sarri, we start winning. Because there is so many people that want the coach out. Um, even if he won a few games, I don't think they'd change their opinion, which is um, 
Which is bad, and the booing of our own players is just absolutely abhorrent. Like, I, I've never, you know, people doing it to Bakayoko, the poor lad. I know he had an awful game, but what's that going to achieve? What's that going to achieve? Let the coach drop him when he sees the poor performances. Don't go out to make a professional player who chose to play for your club feel bad. It's a human being. But Chelsea inherently don't want to be like Arsenal, and that's from the top to the bottom, including fans. So hopefully we don't become that. Um, and, you know, we do, like, you know, the Chelsea away sport's very, very good, and a lot of the Chelsea away support are sorry out. It'll always cheer the team. So hopefully not. We'll see what happens. Uh, Dr. Boyaka. Short-termism is um, in the club and the lack of patience towards managers. Is this what Chelsea is is all about? Well, it's certainly what Chelsea have been all about. Um, this is something that I've spoken of before. It's a winning formula up until now, but if you look at football's climate and how things are going and what works in the Premier League, what works in European football, and who's available... Um, <coughs> excuse me. It's not something that, for me, can work for much longer, if not any more at all. So, again... It, it, the, the, the disposable manager model can't work anymore until there's an actual structure within the club. That's what's the most important thing because there is no real proper structure at the moment. Until there is, the disposable manager model can't come back in. You know, you looked at people like if Jose came back in, it would be an absolute shit show. People are asking him for to come back for the third time, which to me just seems like an absolute joke. Um, so the answer is. It might be what Chelsea... It certainly is what Chelsea has been all about for the last 15 years. But if the club... You know, they would have canned Sari by now with poor results. And I think they haven't because they realise the club can't do that anymore. They look at Pep's first season and the difficulty he had. They look at Klopp in the first, you know, however long he was at the club with no success. And and um, Pochettino. And maybe they're getting a bit more lucid to what dictates success in this league. So hopefully... It's a, it's a state of evolution. We all liked instant gratification and instant trophies of new faces, but I don't think that can work anymore. All right. Um, Calvin uh, Reese jones What things can be tweaked in our current tactics to improve results by the end of the season? That's an interesting one. Well, we've seen from Sari, he, um, he certainly doesn't start differently. He'll rotate the, the odd player, but... He has changed to the 4-2-3-1, often looking like a 4-2-4 as well, with a 4 along the front, depending on what players are on the pitch. Which is great, I mean, and especially when he does change to that, the, the sitting 2 is is um, is Kante and Ruben Loftus-Cheek, which are two, like, box-to-box um, midfielders. He doesn't keep a sort of, like, a sort of classic pivot playmaker character on, on the pitch. So, he's shown that he can change. Um... In terms of what can we do, I, I tweeted something out today about how we could play a um, a diamond with um, Hazard behind, excuse me, Hazard behind two strikers in Giroud and Iguain. Like Iguain, he's failed to to net a few times, but he's he's undeniably a world class goal scorer that always has been. And you know, even if he's slowed down a little bit, he's we've seen him score the three goals he scored in the league were all excellent. And Giroud. <clears throat> Jiru is very much a known quantity, and he can link up with Hazard, and you know, and and Iguay can make the run. So, if we play a, a diamond with Hazard at the tip of the diamond behind the two strikers, 
Iguain can be making these runs, which he's been doing, playing on the shoulder, taking the ball, excellent. And Igu- and uh, and Giroud can be doing these one-touch layoffs to Hazard. Obviously, this is a very football manager perspective and approach from myself. But excuse me, that is um, you know, when you need goals and you're not finishing chances, why the hell not? But um, I'm not sure he's played a diamond this season. But, you know, they would still let him play Jorginho at the base of a diamond, but it would give a lot of defensive responsibility on him, which he has done better, granted, in in, uh, latter latter games, more recent times. He's been better in terms of interceptions and stuff. Um, So I'd like to see that. But, you know, that would mean Pedro, Willian and Hudson-Odoi certainly don't start. Or I'd like to see that at, at sort of one point. But it's so difficult to say, you know. Uh, other than that, tactically, play Emerson, um, Zappacosta. I know Azpilicueta gives absolutely nothing going forward at the moment, which is a shame. And even then, he's he gets sucked into the collective defensive deficiency that is just the team at the moment. So Zappacosta doesn't really seem like the answer. But, you know, you look at... I'd love to just have Reese James back and just try him out, but obviously the coach would want loads of training time, and it's another reason really why I'd like the coach to stay and just give him the options, say, look, we've got a transfer ban, Hazard's gone, Hudson-Odoi staying, you've got Pulisic, you know, you could start Hudson-Odoi on the left, Pulisic on the right, Mishi or Tammy or even Higuain still up front, Giroud, I don't know what's going on, do you know what I mean, like, all this, and bring back Reese James and have him as an understudy to Azpilicueta. And before you know it, he might actually be better and play in the first team more than Azpi and maybe get a better captain. But other than that, Kelvin, it's a difficult question. Um, Couch Critic asks, uh, talk about Chelsea post-Brexit. I can't really comment on that until I know um, what happens with Brexit. You know, like I said, there's a theory that um, Roman Abramovich is holding fire until he knows what's going on with that so he might be waiting for a little while but in terms of um, what Chelsea will look like I can't really comment mate uh, KH is Sari using Callum and Ruben as a shield against the fans why would he put them in a game he's already lost see that's an interesting one um, it does often look like he you know okay so there's two perspectives I mean, obviously, they're both very effective players, right? Both Ruben and Callum for different reasons. Ruben can drive in midfield, offer physicality and the penetration, and, and uh, Hudson-Odoi can roast fullbacks and put crosses in. So logic would det- would dictate that he's using tools. He's look, look, the, the main system systemic plan has failed. Let's use these tools later on to affect the game. So logic could dictate that's the approach, but what you're saying... If he's going, oh shit, we've lost this. Um, the fans are going to turn on me. The club's going to turn on me. Let's put the youth on and give them 20 minutes and just, you know, if they score, great. But if not, it's a good PR move on my behalf. Possible. I can't really comment. Um, it's not putting them on. Remember when Conte used to put Michi on 89 minutes to stoppage time every game, which was just an insult. He is giving them minutes. Um, it's because he's so on it. People... It's so easy to turn on Sorry because he's really honest in press conferences. And I genuinely feel like he does try and protect Callum in terms of, look, this is a kid. You know, this is literally a kid. Just give it a rest and I will use him. 
it could be that. I mean, it's a cynical perspective, but you're right. He could be using them that for um them rather for that end. I can't really answer it, but hopefully he has legitimate intention of them being effective on the pitch. But I can't really answer it. So yeah, I've got a few more questions, but I think I might end the questions there. Okay, boys and girls, hopefully um, you got some insight of how I'm thinking about the club at the moment from those questions or answering those questions. It is, um, it's a difficult couple of results to take, or certainly, well, in regards to Wolves and Everton prior to the <laughs> enthralling international break. But, worth mentioning again and reiterating that both, well, I suppose Ruben's been called back, but Barkley and Callum Hudson-Odoi... Uh, both been called up. I imagine we'll see Barkley, but I'm not sure Hudson Odoi will play. Maybe if we're doing really well in the game, Gareth Southgate might throw him on, and we'll see how that goes. Um, okay, so yeah, it's a short one today, guys. But it's a, it's an old school throwback to the earlier in the season when it was just me talking and answering your questions. I've uh, I've got some cool uh, guests lined up, or certainly a few that I'm talking to to look into. Um, doing some episodes with later in the season or towards the end of the season so um stay tuned with that um, if you want to support me give me a five star rating on itunes and all that lark follow me on twitter at chelsea Yannick. you know what guys it's been a difficult time for chelsea fc but everything happens for a reason right and this is an important you know for things to change for the better there needs to be some sort of shift and a difficult you know times to endure and I feel like we'll come out on top ultimately if you look at what makes a successful club in um, in English football at the moment Chelsea were no longer really abiding to that model so let's take the shakedown let's hope a new dawn is uh, it happens and we see the likes of Hudson Odoi and Reese James and and a good performances what well, good positive performances from Pulisic in the future could be a whole new Chelsea ladies and gentlemen and you know what? Well, there's nothing wrong with being positive, right? Am I right? I'm right. So, guys, up the chills. Keep the blue flag flying eye. Keep it flying eye. Carefree, wherever you may be. Carefree all over the international break, because we are Chelsea. I'll see you later. <laughs>